Good morning, everybody. So good to see you. Uh, my name is Luke. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm part of our preaching team. And uh, man, it's, it's uh, great to be together uh, this morning. You know, sometimes people will start a sentence this way. They'll say, you know, there's two kinds of people in this world. You ever hear someone start a sentence like that? There's two kinds of people in this world. And uh, when you hear about all the different kinds of people there are in the world, you think, well, maybe there's more than two kinds of people in the world. I'm not sure. But, uh, but I actually found a website dedicated to the two kinds of people in the world. And uh, they have a number of illustrations that, and pictures that show us the two kinds of people in the world. Here's uh, the first one. As, uh, this is your alarm clock. There's two kinds of people in the world. There's people who just get up when the alarm goes off and people who set multiple alarms or hit the snooze button. All right, the next one. Uh, there's two kinds of people in the world. When it comes to your birthday cake, right? At some point you just run out of real estate here, but, uh, you know. All right, there's two kinds of people in the world when it comes to eating corn. Apparently both are crazy and don't start at the end. Uh, but maybe you eat around the corn of the cob, maybe you eat down the line, you know, kind of typewriter style. I don't know how you do the corn. Uh, when it comes to pills, uh, a lot of us uh, have different pills we take. There's two kinds of people, right? Do you tear off the little tab and go one at a time or do you just pop them out? All right, what about your French fries? How do you do your fries? Do you, how, how many like ketchup all over the fries? How many of those do we have? Come on, raise it high. Apparently there's only one kind of person in the world. Uh, okay. <laughs> this next one just blows my mind. What about when you play cards? Any of you like to play cards? Do any of you do it like that on the left? I mean, what's happening in your brain that makes that work? I don't, I don't understand. And then the ultimate dividing line is this last one. There's two kinds of people in the world. <laughs> There's two kinds of people in the world. All right, we're going to have to end church. We're all fighting now. Uh, this passage today, the Apostle Paul, as he's writing in this letter to the Romans, he's going to tell us, no, there actually are two kinds of people in the world. There are people who are in the flesh, and there are people who are in the spirit. And this is not like you say tomato, I say tomato. This, doesn't, it, this actually really matters. The Apostle Paul is going to say there actually are two kinds of people in the world. And, uh, and, and this matters a lot. So just to review where we were, last week Seth kicked off our series, A Life in the Spirit. That's what we're doing for the next six or so weeks is we're just studying Romans 8. We're looking at the Holy Spirit and how he fills and empowers and transforms and change, changes our lives. Uh, Seth kicked it off last week in chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. Um, man, it was such a good sermon. I, I was in Salt Lake City uh, with my daughter for uh, volleyball, but got to listen to the message on our way home. And it was just, it was so, so good. I hope you'll go back and listen to it. Uh, if you haven't heard it already, uh, but I just want to recap what he talked about there as we look at, at Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, chapter 8 verse 1 begins with this stunning sentence we looked at last week, that there is therefore now no condemnation, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Seth talked about how when a building is condemned, it means it's not fit for use. It can't be used anymore. It's, it's, it's through neglect or through attack or whatever the case is, it's just not okay anymore. But because of Christ, we are not condemned. We are declared because of Jesus, can I get an amen, fit for use. Yes. Now, now's the amen. Sorry, you rise. A lot of suburban folks here, so... 
Let's try this again. Because of Christ, there is no condemnation. There it is. Okay. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, in Christ Jesus is a positional term. It's a location. It's saying if you are believing in Jesus, then actually your location has moved. That before the eyes of God, you are now in Christ Jesus. You're surrounded by him. You're covered by him. You're secure in him. How can this happen? Well, this is what we looked at last week. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh couldn't do. So the reason that you're declared fit for use, we said last week, is not because of anything you did, right? The the law of sin and death, which was like, hey, do this and you'll be okay. You could never do it. And so God had to intervene. God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son, okay, this is how God did it. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. So Jesus comes as a human being in the same appearance as sinful flesh but without having any sin. And he dies on the cross for sin and by doing this he condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Now, what's the righteous requirement of the law? Seth did such a good job explaining this last week. The righteous requirement of the law is this. He who sins deserves to die. Romans 1.32 is a great explanation of that. This long list of sins, he who does all these things, though they know that whoever does all these things deserves to die, they continue to do them and give approval to them. And it's saying that what God has done is he has condemned sin in the flesh so that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit. So here's the idea. Because of our sin, Jesus in his grace died in our place. He experienced the condemnation. He was declared unfit so that we could be no longer condemned, so that we could be in Christ Jesus, so we could have a new life with God by the Spirit, walking not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And this is going to set us up for this rest of this conversation, for verses 5 through 8, where we're going to experience this tremendous contrast, and we're going to have to really wrestle with this question. There's two kinds of the people in the world. Are you in the flesh, or are you in the Spirit? Are you in the flesh, Or are you in Christ Jesus? Now, this portion of scripture, verses 5 to 8, that's what we're looking at today. This portion of scripture is diagnostic, not prescriptive. Okay? All this is doing is taking the scan. It's not telling you what the treatment path should be. It's just diagnosing the reality. Uh, This chapter is going to get into prescription. It's going to get into exhortation. It's going to get into, okay, if this is true of you, now go do that. But that's not what today is. Today is just diagnostic. Today is taking the scan. When I was a senior in high school as a baseball player, I started having all this really serious uh, pain in my shoulder. Like I could barely wash my hair because it just hurt so bad to, to lift my arm. Well, you can't really play much baseball if that happens. And I remember I, I somehow was able to get an appointment with this guy, Dr. Kearns. He was like the physical therapist for the Colorado Rockies, you know, grew up in Denver. And and so I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. The guy that works on the big leaguers is like checking me out. And I remember he put his hand on my shoulder 
and he started having me move it all these different ways. He'd put weight, you know, pressure and go lift, lift, lift. He'd do all this stuff. And at the end of it, he's like, uh, I'm almost certain you have a torn labrum. And, uh, and I was like, how do you, how do you know? Because like, he's like, now you're going to need to go get an MRI to be sure. But like, you know, you have a torn labrum. I can tell. And I'm like, how can you tell? He's like, well, imagine that you could like screw in. Imagine all you did all day was screw in a screw and then unscrew it and then screw it in and then unscrew it and then screw it in and then unscrew it. He said, eventually, if there was like a little piece of sand in that screw, you would start to, you'd feel it. You'd go, something's off. He goes, that's what I feel. Something's off. Something's not right. And the Lord here is saying, hey, I know, I know people. <laughs> I know the people who uh, aren't in me and I know the people who are. And here's what I know is true. I've, I've, I've done a lot of screwing in and unscrewing. I know how this works. And so today is diagnostic. And so that's how I want you to hear it. And I, and I don't want you to necessarily try to hear it for someone else. Right? Sometimes, uh, sometimes I really like when I see you nudging the person next to you. Like, hey, listen, listen up, you know. But uh, this is one I want you to nudge yourself. There's a place in, I think it's 2 Corinthians 13, where the Apostle Paul also writes, Test yourself to see if you're in the faith. Uh, many of you are in the faith. Praise God. I hope that that will just be affirmed and confirmed and that your uh, assurance and delight in, in where you stand with the Lord will just grow today. I hope it will blossom. Others of you, you're not in Christ. Some of you, you're not in Christ and you know you're not. And I hope that maybe something today will actually make you go, maybe I want to be. Some of you, you're not in Christ but you think you are. And I don't know who that is. I don't have a junior Holy Spirit badge. So you just need to ask the Lord. We need to ask the Lord, Lord, would you search us? Lord, would you help diagnose us? Where are we with you as we look at the two kinds of people in God's world? Those who are in the flesh, those who are in the spirit. So let's pray and then we'll look at this together. Father, we come to you eager for you to speak, eager for you to reveal yourself to us, eager to try to understand who you are, what you've done, and who we are and where we currently stand with you. Lord, thank you that wherever we stand today isn't our final answer, that there's always grace, that your mercies are made new every morning, and that you are constantly offering all people, Christians and non-Christians, to repent, to turn from sin, and to believe in Christ. Lord, give us your grace today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so here's what this passage is going to show us today. It's going to show us two categories of people, two operating mindsets, and two results. Two categories of people, two operating mindsets, two results. First, the two categories of people. And this is in verse 5. If you have your Bible, uh, you can follow along here. It's, uh, it, it says, for, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So the two categories of people are those who are according to the flesh and those who are according to the Spirit. This word according means to just live in line with. Right? You kind of picture a stream, right? Rather than going against the stream, you're in the flow of the stream. You're, you're going with the grain, not against the grain. So there are people, God says, who are living with the grain of the flesh. Others are living with the grain of the Spirit. Now, we got to make sure we understand these terms, okay? So here's, here's some definitions. When we talk about the flesh, we're not talking about our physical body, right? Our physical bodies are good. They were made by God. 
Our physical bodies will be resurrected at the last day because of the resurrection of Jesus was the first fruits of our resurrection. So our bodies aren't bad. What, what Paul is talking about here when he's talking about the flesh is this. Flesh is our fallen, egocentric human nature. The sin-dominated self. That's what he means by the flesh. The, the fallen egocentrism, the, the, the self-domination, the sin-dominated self, that's the flesh. Now, sometimes, as we'll see, that sin-dominated self looks really immoral. Other times, it actually looks really moral. But in either case, that's what Paul's talking about. Some people live according to their fallen, egocentric human nature. They're in charge of their life. Got it? Okay, what about the spirit? Those who are according to the spirit, again, this is not him talking about the spiritual part of you. But when he talks about the spirit here, this is why the translators capitalize it, is this. The spirit is the personal Holy Spirit who revives and indwells Christians. The the third person of the Trinity who comes and seals us and secures us and makes us alive. And as we're going to see later in this chapter, uh, prays on our behalf and gives us assurance that God is in fact our Abba Father. This whole chapter really, you could argue, is is about the work of the Spirit. That's why we're calling it Life in the Spirit. So there's people who live with the grain of the egocentric, sin-dominated self. Other people who live with the grain of what the Holy Spirit wants to do as he fills you, as he lives in you, as he lives through. Now, get this. There are not three kinds of people. A lot of times the way we think is we think this. Well, there's non-Christians. Yeah, those are the people in the flesh. And then there's regular Christians. And then there's spirit-directed Christians. Those are like the varsity team. Paul doesn't say that. There aren't three kinds. There are two kinds. There are people in the flesh and people in the spirit. The normal, typical, expected Christian life is that real Christians have the spirit of God and are living in accordance, living in line, living in direction with the spirit of God. Uh, Perhaps like many of you, I grew up uh, going to church. Uh, We went to church on a pretty regular basis. I remember as a kid going to uh, mom's day out which was this act, kind of like a mops type thing that, you know, I remember one time in the car telling my mom, mom, I asked him into my heart. She said, oh, cool, you know. And then a few years later, my family in our church, we went to the Billy Graham crusade at Mile High Stadium where the Broncos played. And I went down on the field at the end and asked John Elway, and I mean Jesus, into my heart. <laughs> and then... I'd go to church and we'd do different stuff. I didn't really, I didn't participate in youth group unless they were talking about dating or sex. Uh, then I would go to that. Uh, or if there was like a big fun event. But I, I, the whole time I thought of myself as a Christian. Like when I was, got into high school, as a freshman in high school, I got invited to fellowship of Christian athletes. And I went, well, I'm an athlete, I'm a Christian. I guess I can go there and have fellowship. Like this sounds fine. But, but my junior year of high school, I actually realized, wow, I'm actually not a Christian. Like I do a lot of the Christian stuff. I do a lot of the things a Christian would do. But Jesus doesn't like firmly have my heart. A friend actually pointed out to me, hey, it seems like you follow Jesus when it's convenient. When he makes you look good. I'm not sure you'd follow Jesus no matter what. Here's what he's saying. 
If you're in the flesh, then you might use Jesus to help your ego. You might use Jesus to help you feel like a good person. You might use Jesus to help you feel better than all those immoral people. And he, he didn't frame it in this terminology, but now I look back and go, that's what he was saying. He was saying, I, there's times when you act like a Christian, but I think you're actually in the flesh. And what, what Jesus is inviting you to, Luke, this is what he was saying, is, is to be all in, to be sold out, to be living according to the Spirit. So there's two kinds of people, those according to the flesh and those according to the Spirit. Now the second group that he gives us is he says this two categories of people have two different operating mindsets. The key verb here is this word set their minds on, right? So we, we see it here. Those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So there's this mindset. Here's what this word mindset means. It means to give careful consideration to something, to be intent on. It is a way of thinking, but it's not just a way of thinking. It's, this is why I'm calling it an operating mindset. It's a way of thinking that leads to a way of living. It's a focus. It's an intention. It's a here's what I'm about. It's like here's what is core to me. Here's what's most important. That's your mindset. And Paul here is saying that there are people who give careful consideration to themselves but not to the spirit. There are other people who are intent on following God, following his spirit, living according to his word. So there's those who are setting their minds again on the flesh. Those who are setting their minds on the flesh are intent on living for themselves. They have a this worldly orientation. And whether they do it religiously or irreligiously, they're avoiding God. Numerous people have pointed out that there are actually two ways to avoid God. One is by being really, really bad. The other is by being really, really good. It's obvious why being really, really bad avoids God. But think about this. If you're really, really good, you can actually avoid God because you don't have to interact with him. You just get to count on yourself. Both of those are living in the flesh. Here's how Ray Ortland says it. He says, you may be a fleshly playboy or a fleshly Pharisee, but it is the same effort. The fleshly playboy says, look at me. I do what I want. The fleshly Pharisee says, look at me, I do what's right. What do they both have in common? Look at me. This is about me. This is about how I feel. This is what Jesus warned about over and over and over in Matthew chapter 6. He said, uh, when you pray, don't be like those hypocrites who love to stand on street corners to be seen by how they pray. When you give, uh, don't give like the hypocrites who try to make a big show of it. When you fast, don't fast like the hypocrites who try to make themselves look really terrible so that you'll be like, wow, you're really fasting. Don't be like that. Because if you're like that, you're just living according to the flesh. And you'll get your reward. You'll get the approval of people. But you won't have any approval of God in heaven. Because you're just living according to the flesh. Another example of this is in the famous story of the prodigal son. The man, it says, had two sons. The younger brother was the one who demanded his inheritance, headed off to Vegas, and squandered all the money with prostitutes and wickedness, ends up, in a situation where he's feeding pigs, the most deplorable thing that a young Jewish man could do, feed pigs. He's been a fleshly playboy. He's lived immorally. He's avoided the father by being very, very bad. But there's a second son in the story. The second son in the story is the older brother. Uh, any older responsible uh, siblings here in the room? Yeah. 
don't break your arm, like uh, raising it so quickly. <laughs> you know, I, I recently did a wedding of some folks. They're both firstborns. I said, boy, you guys are going to get so much done. Uh, <laughs> good luck with that. Like, that's going to be tricky, right? But he's the older brother, and he... He didn't wander away. He didn't squander his father's wealth. He's been there. He's been working. So much so that when the younger brother comes home and they decide to throw a party, he's going, what the heck? I've been out in the field. I hear some noise. What is it? Oh, this brother of yours that was lost, he's found. Well, what the heck, father? Here I am. I've been slaving for you. I've been doing all the things you told me to do. And then some loser sinner shows up and you just welcome him back? Fleshly playboy? Fleshly Pharisee. Key ingredient, flesh. Look at me. Look at me. It's about me. That's the mindset of the flesh. On the other hand, the mindset of the spirit is living for God. Focusing on the things of God. Praying like Jesus prays in the Garden of Gethsemane. Not my will, but yours be done. So there's two different kinds of people. Those who live according to the flesh or according to the spirit. There's two different mindsets, the ones who set their minds on the flesh or set their minds on the spirit. And finally, there's two results, verses six to eight. For to set the mind, again, there it is again, to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind, you see how important this phrase is? On the spirit is life. And peace. To set the mind on the flesh is death. The wages of sin is death. On the day you eat of it, you will surely die. But to set the mind on the spirit is life. To have life, the free gift of God is eternal life. Because God is rich in mercy, we have peace with God. We're not at war with God anymore. The mind set on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set, there it is again, on the flesh is hostile. To God. For it does not submit to God. Indeed, it cannot. And then get this those who are in the flesh, remember at the beginning, we said those who are, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But here's what he says those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So there it is. There's two kinds of people, those who live according to the flesh, those who live according to the spirit, with two mindsets, those who it's all about them, those whom it's all about God, and two results. One leads to death, one is hostile to God, one doesn't submit to God's law, one cannot submit to God's law, and cannot possibly please God. On the other hand, the life of the spirit, the result of living with the spirit is life and peace. So which are you? God's kind of feeling your shoulder. Are you in the flesh? Are you in the spirit? If you're a Christian, if you hear this, you go like, you know what? I, of course I sin. I mean, the Apostle Paul talks in Romans 7 about how much we sin and how so often we don't do what we ought to do because we don't always live according to the spirit. Sometimes we walk according to the flesh, as it says in Galatians 5. 
But if you go like, you know what, I, I am a Christian. Like I, yes, I have, I have sin for sure. I haven't stopped sinning, but my loyalty, my allegiance, my desire, like even after I sin, I, I, I feel grieved about it. I repent about it. I actually am seeing progressive change in my life. I'm a Christian. Yes, I, I don't, I'm not perfect. I'm not Jesus, but, but, I'm tr- but I want to be. And I love him. And he's my Lord and he's my Savior and I, I trust him. Listen, if that's you, rejoice in God. Praise the Lord that that's you. Praise the Lord. This is not in any way trying to make everybody doubt their faith. If you have faith in Christ and it is affirmed by the Spirit testifying with your spirit that you're a child of God, praise God. But here's what I want to tell you. If you today say, I don't, I don't know. Or, or you know what? I, I do know. And I'm not a Christian. Here's, here's what I want to tell you. I, even, even using the phrase a Christian. Because you have all this baggage around what it means to be a Christian. I, forget that. I just want to invite you into the life of the Spirit. Because the life of the Spirit is life and peace. It is no condemnation. It is fit for use. And I want to tell you, you can turn around. You can experience new life with Christ. There's two ways to live. You can live according to the flesh, you can live according to the Spirit. One of the things we're going to do here uh, pretty soon, we've just ordered a number of things that are going to go into all of our newcomer bags. By the way, if this is your first time here with us, we've got a gift for you out at the, at the info desk. There's a number of things in there. What I'm going to describe isn't in there, but it will be if you come back for the first time in a few weeks or something. <laughs> And it's a, it's a little thing called two ways to live. And to me, it's such a helpful, it's a helpful framework for understanding this reality. And the reality is, to some extent, like the reason we're here on planet Earth is to help people who are living according to the flesh begin to live according to the spirit. Like, that's why we're here. Like, so we got to make that really clear. And so what I want to do is I want to show you this. And for those of you who are like, I'm not sure if I'm in the faith. I'm not sure if I'm a Christian. This is, this is God's invitation to you. For those of you who are Christians, maybe watch, watch how I do this. You could, do, you could write this on a napkin. You could share this with someone else. All right, but here's the, here's the story of Christianity. Here, here's what it is. God made the world, and he's the king. That's my best attempt to draw a crown. And he put us on it, made us in his image, in his world, he made everything, and it was very good, right? That's Genesis 1. That's Genesis 2. This is humanity living under the reign and the rule of God. But then what happens is God, in his rule, is rejected by people who say, you know what? I don't really want this. I want this. I want to have my own rule. I want to have my own crown. I want to be in charge. God's holding out on me. God can't be trusted. God's rule isn't good. This is what happens in Genesis 3. They take the fruit that they were not allowed to eat and they say, I want that. I want to be in charge. I want to be king of my life. The result of this, predictably, is that under God's judgment, there's death. I don't know if your legs stick up. That's to symbolize the rigor mortis that has set in. <laughs> but the point is, you think you're all alive. No, 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 you're dead. And you're going to answer to the judgment of God. Because, but here's the reality. God gives rebels what they ask for. You go, I want life without God. God says, deal. 
The problem is it's called hell, where God isn't there. There's no sustaining, good, nurturing, restraining presence of evil in hell. It's just you all alone by yourself with none of the goodness of God, which means no goodness, forever. You go, I, I don't want God. Fine. God gives rebels what they ask for. You don't have to have him. But the wages of sin is death. But here's the good news. Into this reality comes another man. And this man always lived under the reign of God. And his name was Jesus. Jesus, Paul said a couple chapters ago in Romans 5, is the second Adam. Jesus is the one who, when Adam fails and says, I don't want God, I'm going to just have my own crown. Jesus is the one who says, not my will, but yours be done, Father. Jesus is the one who submits to the Father. Jesus is the one who lives perfectly obedient, the way that you and I as human beings were called to live. And as a result of this, after Jesus dies, he rises. This is what we celebrated just a few weeks ago. And he is victorious over Satan, sin, and death. He's the king of the world. He's the risen one. He's the ruler. He's the lion of Judah. And this leads us to the choice that we all have to make. What will we do? Will you embrace Jesus is king, or will you be your own king? There it is. That's Christianity, and this is the invitation. Listen, you don't have to go this way. You don't have to live a life filled with such turmoil and filled with such confusion, filled with such malaise, filled with such purposelessness, filled with such guilt and regret and shame and fear. You don't have to do that. And, and Paul, by the Spirit, God by the Spirit is saying to you, he's saying to me, come, come, come experience these waters of life. Come, all to, who, who are thirsty, come to the waters and drink. Come. There's two ways to live, by the flesh, by the Spirit. Oh, come, enjoy life by the Spirit. And in the coming weeks, we're going to talk about what life by the Spirit is going to look like, what it actually is going to flesh out as and, and how it's going to work. But for today, would you come? Would you receive? Would you embrace the love of Jesus? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. God, thank you for how faithful you are. Thank you for how you invite us to know you and to love you and to enjoy you forever. God, we thank you for the spirit who makes us alive, the spirit who gives us no condemnation, the spirit who allows us to experience the love of Jesus. And God, I pray right now for anyone who realizes or isn't sure, but they think they're in the flesh. They think they're mostly living for themselves. They th they're like I was, maybe as a 17-year-old kid thinking I was okay with you because I had prayed some prayers before and gone to the clubs before and... Uh, been involved in the church before. But God, maybe right now they've realized, you know what, that was actually not for God, that was just for me. And would you invite them now by the Spirit to come to experience life and forgiveness and peace and joy and rest. 
Would you allow them to turn from their sin, to trust in the finished work of Jesus, the, the one who died in our place and reigns victorious over Satan's sin and death. God, would we live under his crown, under his rule. God, for those of us who do know you, Lord, we, we don't for one second think that it's actually because of anything in us. Lord, it's by grace that we're saved through faith and that this is a gift of God. It's not a result of our works lest we would boast. And so Lord, we do not boast in anything except the cross of Jesus Christ. We don't boast in anything except the finished work of Jesus that has made us new, that has given us life and saved us from death. And so Lord, we thank you for that and we rejoice in this whole thing in Jesus' name.